Sebastian Saya and Laris continue to explore the horrors and the mystery of the Pulsar Quest. Castian is running down the stairs just to double check if she's a dead. Absolutely. You said she was kind of a worker here. Does she have any keys or something like mm-hmm. that? So she has on her left wrist an ID bracelet that you can postulate would be used to access parts of the ship that especially guests would not be allowed to go into. Castian takes off the bracelet, slaps it onto himself, and then stands up. Okay, how long do we have on these rebreathers? Two hours. Do not take this off. There could be something in the air. I don't know. These people are going... I mean, that noble seemed to be... I don't know what's going on, but this is not distress that's making these people do this. Let's keep an eye out for any more survivors. And and let's not let them run off next time, shall we? Yes, sir. Castian pulls out his blaster now. He's actually now not keeping it holstered. And he's moving back towards those stairs. He's not scavenging anymore. He's going to guest services to try to figure out what the hell's going on. Back up on the upper promenade deck, guest services is located about three quarters of the way towards the back of the ship. So once again, you are passing the Rio's and Liquor Cantina and the casino and those shops before you're going to be able to get all the way there. But it does give you a little bit of time to also take in the the, the sights of the, the ship. This is the most luxurious space that you have been on since you were in the palace at Alderaan. Even with the destruction and the blood that is smeared periodically throughout the place, just incredible opulence and ostentatious shows of wealth. In the very center of the upper promenade deck is a giant chandelier. And as you are walking past it, I would like you to give me a vigilance roll. Three successes, one advantage. Okay, that's enough. As you're walking just under this chandelier, and again, it's taking up most of the width of the ship, actually, you begin to hear a creaking sound and the sound of of crystals rattling against each other coming from over your head. And as you look up, you see that the chandelier is beginning to shake. Nothing else on the deck is. The chandelier seems to be coming loose. Laris, he says as he grabs her by the shoulder, and then they're just booking it and trying to get out of the way before this thing comes down. All right. Give me an athletics roll. Average difficulty. Two successes, one advantage, and a light side point. That is more than what the chandelier rolled. So as you grab Laris and the two of you are running, the chandelier comes crashing down to the ground. We jump and roll and land on the ground as there's a thunderous explosion of noise and glass as it just shatters every which way direction. And Castian rolls onto his back and looks back towards the destruction of this priceless decorative. And as you're looking back, the twisted wreck of the brass and the gold that was that made up the, the center of the chandelier uh, is twisted across the deck and actually is, is forming something of a barrier between where you are and where you came from. So any path back towards the front of the ship on this level is going to be made a little more difficult because you would have to navigate that. And as you are looking back, you hear from up above you a and you see come crashing down on that twisted wreckage, the body of a Bothan. He's impaled on the brass of the chandelier. Catherine, like, jumps back as he's impaled. 
and looks at him and then looks at Laris and looks back at the body. Does he look like a worker? Does he look like a noble person? He looks like a worker, but he's not dressed in the uniform of the woman that you saw earlier where she was kind of in a tuxedo. He's in a jumpsuit, some kind of, of engineer or, or below decks worker. Cassian looks back towards Laris and says, I doubt everyone on this ship is that distressed to be throwing themselves off stairwells and dropping chandeliers on people's heads. Keep an eye out. This is weird. This has gotten really weird. We're getting the guest services and then we're going to try to find this damn thing. And if we can't find it quickly, then we're out of here. I'm not lingering for a payday. Of course, sir. Guest services should be just ahead. They're picking up their pace. Mm -hmm. And the guest services desk is the least ostentatious thing that you have seen in your entire time on this ship. It is an unobtrusive, simple wood and brass desk, yet ironically it's actually the hub of all civilian activity on the ship. As you approach that desk, you hear a voice coming from the floor behind it. Welcome to the Pulsar Quest. I hope you are having a pleasant voyage. What can I assist you with today? Castian's looking for wherever the voice is coming from. It seems to be coming from behind the desk, but out of sight. Yeah, Castian's uh, peeking his head over the desk. And as you peek your head over the desk, you see a protocol droid is laying on the ground. It's of a rose gold color. Again, very, very shiny, brand new sort of droid. Uh, however, it is missing its legs. And so she has just fallen face first onto the ground. Can you respond? I am capable of assisting you with anything you need for your time here on the Pulsar Quest. What's going on here? Uh, what What's happened? Everyone's going nuts. We, uh, people have been trying to kill us. I'm so sorry it sounds like you are having a less than pleasant time here on the Pulsar Quest. If you scan your wristband, I will be happy to apply a credit to your room. Cassian shakes his head before saying, What's been happening for the last couple days? Why you, Your ship is delayed. Why? Searching. There are no records of our ship being delayed. I'm sorry if we are not traveling fast enough for your wishes. However, we are apparently still right on schedule. Mm. Where Has there been any disturbances for the last day or so? Negative. Uh, hello. How embarrassing for me. I am Bartholomew Stalin, and I, um, unfortunately, drank a little too much. I had a little bit of the good stuff, uh, and I lost my wristband. That is unfortunate, Mr. Starlin, but I am able to help you. Please, apply your thumbprint to the identity scanner. Castian just kind of wrinkles his nose at that, looks towards Laris and then nods towards the bioscanner and is like, can we fool this thing? It will be extremely difficult, but it is possible. Okay, we'll make it happen. Two successes and two advantages for Laris as she goes to the identity scanner and takes out a small handful of tools from her pocket and she's able to pop the display off of it and she digs around for a moment and says sir not only am i able to bypass the identity protocols but i do believe that from this terminal i can access much of the central guest services da database excellent uh, give me that wristband please then i look towards laris and says find out any information where we could find this bartholomew fellow yes sir i am pulling up the passenger manifest now and Castian looks towards the droid and realizes it's just laying there. The droid has actually reached its arm out towards what looks like a, a small 3D printer. 
but of course it is too it is too low on the ground it's it's about a foot higher than where the droid can presently reach castian goes around and kind of helps the droid up the droid does not acknowledge that it has been helped in any way just reaches out for where a wristband has appeared takes it and puts it on the desk then castian just drops the droid on the ground behind him and he takes the wristband thank you very much you've been quite helpful it is my pleasure to serve you during your time here on the Pulsar Quest. Castian walks up behind it and turns it off. He feels bad. He doesn't want to leave it on while whatever it is going on is going on. Actually, Castian's going to try to get to its memory core. All right. This is going to be a hard mechanics check because there is several layers of security on this droid. I'm going to flip one of my destiny points. Okay. And I'm going to upgrade one of my dice. So I got two yellows now. Great. Versus three purple. Yes. One success, one triumph, three threats. Okay. So on the data pad, you're accessing the memory core and it's a a visual record Mm. of everything that has uh, happened to this droid. And if you go back, the memory unit has four days of memory in it before it would have to be either erased or downloaded mm-hmm. to the, the central memory core. Right. So you go back as far as the droid's memory goes and you see the floor as apparently more than four days ago is the last time that this droid was able to stand upright. Am I able to get any audio? Yes, you are. Castian plays the audio. You hear horrific screaming. That's terrifying. And he just kind of keeps on uh, fast forwarding it. There's about two days worth of screaming. You can't make out very much other than that. It's a variety of languages. Galactic basic is the most common one that you hear. But you catch some Bothan, you catch some Twi'lek, a couple of other languages in there that you're not entirely familiar with just by hearing them. Lots of nonsensical screaming, as well as you hear that gambler inviting people to come play a game. And after about two days, the screaming cuts out and you only hear the occasional sounds of stilted conversation, mumbles that are happening. No one is approaching this droid for for conversation, so she's not catching as much as you're hearing fewer and fewer people. Castian finally just hits stop. Stands up and turns off the mixer. The droid is turned off completely. And then he looks towards Laris. Well, something happened four days ago or further along than four days ago to knock this thing on the ground. It was just staring at the floor the entire time. And for about two days after that, there was nothing but screaming and violence. And then there was people talking sometimes. I heard that gambler inviting some people to play games during the screaming. It was pure chaos. There is nothing here in the guest services directory that would indicate any problems that happened with the ship. Most likely, that information would be kept on the main bridge. However, I was able to find the passenger manifest and find the stateroom for Bartholomew Starlin. We'll go there, we'll get the mayor, then we'll get the hell out of here. I don't care what's going on here. I don't want to stay here to find out. My curiosity's not going to get us killed. Come on. What level is Bartholomew at? Bartholomew Starlin is staying on deck 10, the navigation deck. The navigation deck contains staterooms 001 through 065. And you know from your previous research that these are the 
swankiest of the swanky staterooms. So he is staying in stateroom 003. Uh, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to try to bypass this and make it faster. Uh, you said there's elevators, right? Yes. There's a bank of elevators just outside of guest services, so you don't even need to traverse this deck again. Yeah, Cassian's going to go up and see if they work. You press the button for the elevator, and you can hear the lift moving inside, and then it shudders to a halt. You wait for a moment to see if it's going to start again, and then the door opens into an empty elevator shaft. You hear a muffled voice from the elevator as the automated system that's still several feet above where you are. You can hear it say, Deck 8, Upper Promenade Deck. We'll be taking the stairs from now on, Laris, I say, as I turn in. Is there any stairs nearby? There is, yes. Yep, uh, we go up the stairs. You go up one flight of stairs. You're on deck eight. You go up to deck nine. The lights are flickering here, and you can see that the deck nine is filled with staterooms once again. A step below the level that you are heading up to, of course. From down one of the hallways of staterooms, you hear a voice say, Welcome to the Pulsar Quest! There's no stairs that can go up to 10 yet. You can keep going up to 10. The stairs keep going up. He's just going to see if he sees anybody down the hallway. You see, actually, more people than you have seen yet. Oh. None of them are moving. Oh, they're like all dead on the floor? No, they're not on the floor. They are propped up against the walls in kind of grotesque tableaus of fun on the ship. You see two people who are locked in a passionate embrace as if they were having a a romantic rendezvous. But when you focus your flashlight on that pair, you see that one is a Twi'lek woman and she is absolutely dead. And the other is a faceless mannequin that doesn't even have arms. As you look a a little farther down, you see what looks like uh, maybe what's supposed to represent a family getting their portrait taken. You see their faces have been contorted into terrifying grins that have been frozen there by rigor mortis Mm -hmm. as they have been decked out in sun hats and flashily printed shirts with kind of a Nabooian tropical print on them. You know, very tacky sort of tourist gear that you wouldn't normally expect to see on a, a ship of this quality. Castian opts not to take a further step into the ninth deck, and he's just going to go up to the tenth deck. Mm-hmm. He kind of just kind of gives it a side eye before saying, nope, and just goes upstairs. When you reach deck ten, the stairs keep going up. Mm-hmm. However, if you want to go onto this deck, there the doors are closed. Uh, Castian's going to try to open it. As you approach, that Twi'lek hologram woman pops up again. Hello, welcome to deck ten. An experience meant only for our platinum passengers. Please present your wristband in order to gain access. Cassian holds up the wristband for Bartholomew. And it works. Thank you very much, he mumbles before moving past it. Cassian walks up to the door, pauses, takes a deep breath, not sure what he's going to see, and then opens the door. When you walk through the doorway onto deck 10, everything is fine. You are... In one long hallway, 65 luxury staterooms are lining this hallway, about half and half on each side. And you have a completely 
empty hallway in front of you. There's nice carpeting laid down on the floor, and it is a little narrow. You and Laris can walk side by side, but your shoulders would be brushing. So yeah, I'll go first. Does it start with, are we at like 065 or 0031? You're at 065. So it's, we're walking down to 003, which is a long walk. So we take our time. We're looking for traps. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most creepiest we found because this actually seems like it's okay, which is what Cassian's learn means. It is not okay. It seems okay until you start walking down the hallway and your presence somehow, whether it's a scent or a sound, starts setting off something behind closed doors. Most of these doors that you're passing are closed. Every once in a while, you see one that's that's open and you can peer in and see a room that's in disarray. But the closed doors, they have sounds behind them. Feral, animalistic grunts and groans. The sounds of furniture being ripped apart. Castian kind of backs away from the doors. As soon as you try to back away, you just back into another door. Castian settles himself before looking back towards Laris and mumbling, their pets might be going feral at this point. A possibility. Though some of the voices I detect are distinctly humanoid. Well, they'll be staying in their rooms for the time being. If we get out of this place, we'll send help, and I'm sure people can f- come here and figure out what the hell's going on. And he's moving at double time now. He was taking his time, but no, double time to get to 003. As you're about halfway down the hall, passing room 023, you hear a pounding on the door and a voice crying out, Help me! Please! Please! Anyone! Help! Help! And frantic pounding on the inside of the door. Castian pauses, then he takes a step away, then he kind of winces before mumbling, Madonin! What would Madonin do? Then he goes and he's going to try to unlock the door. It is unlocked. Step away, Laris. Laris does so. So we kind of, Castian uh, twists the handle and pushes it forward and then kind of just takes a step back. He has his blaster out. Which is a good thing to have prepared, but is completely unnecessary. There's nothing unusual in that room. There's nobody in there? There's nobody in there. Nothing is even out of place. The bed is made. The closet doors are closed. The only thing that seems out of place is that near the door, there is a tray from room service that has been half eaten and the food is completely rotten. If you'd like, you can give me an average perception check. Two successes, one threat. Castine is going to go into the room like he heard pounding. And when you step in, you still don't see anything out of the ordinary at first. You can kind of take in this, this luxury stateroom space. You see that there is a sitting area over to one side. Again, chairs untouched, sitting upright, unblemished. There is a small counter and vanity, and you see a variety of cosmetics that are laid out. Again, nothing out of place. And as you're looking around, you look up, and you see there is a hole in the ceiling, and you can hear something, something skittering. In the ducts. Castian's Castian's taking several steps back, and he's he's just going to get out of this room. You step into that tray of rotten food. A bunch of flies swarm up around you. (laughs) Castian coughs as he's stumbling out of the room. He reaches in to grab the door, and he tries closing it. You can. 
Note to self, do not try to help people here. And Castian's just going to look back towards Laris, shakes his head, and then they're moving back towards 003. Okay. So there's 20 rooms total between you, but 10 on each side. So 10 more doorways that you need to to go past. And again, some of those doors are open and you can see rooms that have been completely torn apart. Others are locked. Some some of the locked rooms, there's, you don't hear anything behind them. And others, you're hearing those disconcerting sounds again. Castian learned his lesson last time. He's just going to 003, swipes the bat. Wait, no, before he swipes. Is there any noises? He's actually going to knock on the door. Well, what do you want to know first? Do you want to know if there's noises or do you want to knock? Uh, I want to know if there's noises first. And then I'll knock if there's no noises. Give me another perception check. This is still average, but it's difficult to tell exactly what is coming from which door. One success, one triumph, and one threat. Okay. When you lean your ear against the door... That's when you're able to kind of focus enough that you can pick out what would be coming from behind this door. And there's nothing from behind it. You don't hear any sounds. You don't hear any movement. Nothing. Castian's using his finger to do a light tapping just to see if anything stirs behind it. Nope. Castian waves the bracelet in front of the reader and he's going to go inside. When you wave the bracelet, the reader lights up a pleasing blue, and you can hear the voice of that Twi'lek woman. No hologram this time, but just her voice saying, Welcome back, Bartholomew Starlin. As you push open the door, revealing another perfectly intact stateroom. The layout is exactly the same as the, the previous room that you were in, minus any rotting food or holes in the ceiling. Castian waves Laris in, and then he's closing the door behind him. As you wave her in, this entryway that you have to come through is narrow enough that now you do need to be single file. Once you get into the living space, the two of you can spread out, but the entrance is very, very narrow. On one side is closet space. On the left is the fresher. Great. So I get her inside, then we're going to the living room. You go into his room. There's the sitting room to the left. There's a large bed to the right. On the back wall are portholes looking out into the darkness of space. Look around for his luggage, anything that might contain the mayor. Yes, sir. Castian scans the sitting area quickly. Uh, you look in there for any sign of where the mayor could hide. Look in drawers, anything. I'll go into the bedroom. And he's going into the bedroom. It's not a separate room. It is an open – think of like a studio apartment. Okay. It's just one side is sleeping, the other side is living. And then they're both going through this thing just yeah. looking – every drawer, every piece of luggage, every closet, every hidey hole. He's looking for anything where uh, this mirror could be. Okay. Give me a perception check. And again, this can be two yellow because I'm having you roll for Laris's assistance rather than doing two separate rolls. And – There's a lot of things to go through. So yes, in fact, I'm going to make this a hard check and I'm going to upgrade one of those dice to a red. Four failures and an advantage. How much care are you taking? Not very much care. Not not any care. He's trying to make it kind of organized chaos. So he's throwing all the useless things that he's already looked into a pile. Mm -hmm. But no, he's trashing this place, tearing open sheets, cutting open pillows, Just anything that could possibly hide a mirror. Mm -hmm. As you're going through Bartholomew Starlin's things, this man has collected all kinds of frippery throughout the galaxy. He does not have drugs. 
He does not have weapons. He has trinkets and jewelry and packets of spice, but we're talking actual cooking spices, not anything you can get high from. This is a man who has so much money that he just decides to buy the first thing that is put in front of him. And so he's an extremely easy mark in sort of touristy places. So he's a hoarder if he had enough money to like actually put the stuff into places and keep it organized. Yes. Great. Yep. So you dump out bags of luggage that are just filled with extremely fine clothes and then again all of these useless things. You're you do find a couple of mirrors, but they're definitely not the handmaid's mirror that you're looking for. When you go to tear apart sheets and mattresses and pillows, they are just filled with stuffing. The finest stuffing that money can buy. You actually are pretty sure that he brought his own pillows that whatever the ship gives even on this luxury starliner isn't luxurious enough. So that is kind of one of his little quirks, Mm -hmm. uh, which again is also strange for somebody that's a swoop bike racer who you would think might be used to living a little bit on the edge, but instead wants the absolute finest things. So as you and Laris are digging through this and probably getting a little bit frustrated, I need you to roll me vigilance again. One success, one advantage. Laris rolled two successes and an advantage. Laris sits up from where she had been ripping apart one of the chairs looking for the mirror and just says, Sir, I believe we have company. Castian spins on his heels and follows where she's staring. <laughs> and you look in the entryway where two people have arrived. They are both obviously passengers dressed very finely in clothes that are smeared with blood. And they are holding very long butcher's knives. And they're just, they are holding the knives up in a menacing fashion, but they have the most pleasant smiles on their face. They are going to run for Laris, who is the closest one to them. Or actually, you just looked, so you can still have an action. Gassian's going to, uh, he's going to use the stun setting, but he's aiming his shot at one of them uh, and firing. All right. No defense on these people. Two failures and an advantage. Okay. You miss it. It's because one of the passengers is ducking out of the way with inhuman speed. He looks human, but the way that he moves is much faster than you've ever seen a a human move. And so he stumbles back into his companion, kind of pressing them both awkwardly against the wall. And they're now going to have a setback die when they roll. And on their move, they both stumble forward and get tangled up in each other now. And so actually both fall prone. (laughs) They failed. At the top of the round, Laris pulls out her blaster rifle and takes aim at the nearest of the prone passengers. (laughs) Now she just got three successes and an advantage. So Laris gets off a good shot at them dealing uh, seven damage. Sun damage. And is he still up? Yes. I, he's He is definitely hurt, but that's not quite going to take him down. Castian's aiming for him and f- uh, firing another shot into his back. And since they're on the ground, do I get it, uh, any boost or anything like yes, that? Yes, you get one boost die. Two successes and one advantage. And that's enough to take out one of the mad passengers who slumps forward the knife clattering from his hand as he passes out stunned. And then it is his companion's turn. It's a woman in a very nice 
silk gown, or it was nice again before all the blood splatter. Ooh, and she charges towards you, Castian, and with this wickedly sharp knife, she digs the blade into your arm for five wounds. And I could soak some of that, right? Yes. All right, so her the, the knife scratches the full length of your upper arm, cutting through your clothing and drawing some blood, but nothing that you have to worry too much about. Yep, Castian stumbles away, growling in frustration and yelling, shoot her! Laris is now going to use a maneuver to aim and is going to get a critical hit. You know what? This woman's a minion, so let's not worry about figuring out exactly what the critical hit is. She takes her down. Laris was using the stun setting, of course, luckily, so the woman is knocked back and slumps to the ground, motionless. Castian's looking down at his arm that has that uh, gash in it and winces before uh, moving over towards uh, one of the – it's like a tipped over bar. They've already ransacked it looking for this mirror. So Castian just picks up one of the, the bottles there, opens it up and like pours some alcohol on his wound before wincing and says, this is getting a little bit more dangerous than I expected from a cruise ship. Indeed. Castian's moving over towards the people and checking to see if they're alive still just to make sure. You do detect a pulse, but it's strangely fast. Laris, when a person's stunned, that usually makes their heart rate go down, doesn't it? That is correct. Come here, check this out. And he's uh, going to place her hand on top of their wrist. Mm -hmm. That's rather fast, isn't it? Correct. Her heart appears to be beating at approximately 119 beats per minute. That's rather unusual. Do you have any idea what could be affecting these people? There is insufficient data to make a completely accurate diagnosis. Casting takes out a pair of restrainers and restrains them to like a post or something like that, a bedpost or a pillar or one of those things to keep them from waking up and harming them or harming each other. Castian rubs at his face before uh, turning around, looking at the room. I don't think the mirror's here. It would seem not to be. Or if it were, most likely it would have been broken in the fracas. Oh, wouldn't that be delightful? No, I don't believe it would be. Sarcasm. We've talked about this, Laris. Okay, if it's not here, then it's in the cargo bay. That would be a reasonable supposition. Okay, we're going to lock the door behind us, and then we're going to go to the cargo bay. Yes, sir. When you're out in the hall, you realize that you're a couple of doorways away from the bridge. Castian pauses, considers for a second, and then just mumbles, Well, I'd rather not be flying blind in here. Come on. And he's going to wave her towards the bridge. Okay. As you approach the door of the bridge, you see plastered across the the doors... Authorized personnel only. I don't think anybody's going to mind, he says, as he uh, tries that crew woman's uh, bracelet in front of the scanner. As you wave the bracelet in front of the scanner, a text alert pops up. Of course, of course. Uh, Laris, can you get us in this thing? Of course, sir. And Laris rolls one success and two threats. She has a couple of taps on the keypad, and there is a beeping sound. And the doors slide open. Now, when the doors open, it's very obvious that this was once a shining and state-of-the-art command center. But like everywhere else on the ship, this place has been torn apart. Consoles have been ripped apart with little rhyme or reason. There are sparks coming up from many of these exposed wires. You don't see any blood. You also don't see any people immediately. Let's try to see if we could find some system logs and maybe that'll tell us what they found. Maybe they picked up something they shouldn't have, some pathogen. Mm-hmm. Make a mechanics check. A difficulty? Average. 
Two successes. Cassian, you take a couple of steps into the bridge and just pause. There's a feeling of the hair on the back of your neck standing on end as you're beginning to walk across these deck plates. And you realize in the center of the room, a plasma conduit has been fused to the floor, electrifying it. Castian holds up a hand just as Laris is about to step forward. He's like, stop, stop. He's pulling out a, a credit chip, an actual credit chip, and just flips it forward a couple meters under the deck plate. And as it hits the floor and bounces, electricity begins to arc from the floor to the credit chip and back. Clever. Clever. Someone booby-trapped this place. Damn. Uh, is there any way we can shut off the plasma array over there? Anything that can be turned on can be turned off with enough brute force applied to it. It appears the difficulty would be getting across the bridge without being electrocuted in order to dismantle it. How much do you weigh, Laris? And we're going to cut scene to Castian holding out a hand, concentrating as he is, in fact, using the force to lift Laris up over these panels. She has her tool out, ready to kind of hover there and repair whatever she needs to to shut off the plasma. All right. Since Laris is not resisting this in any way, there's no difficulty. This is really just to see what force points you generate. Whether it is the light side, or do you tap into the dark side? Uh, Castian actually got two light side points, so he's going to be using those points, and he's also going to have to, unfortunately, flip a point. Yep, Castian's using the uh, light side of the force to lift Laris up, kind of Mission Impossible style, her hovering there in the air. Laris hovers, reaching out very carefully with the tool as you hold her over the correct console in order to turn off the plasma conduit. And with a success and an advantage, she is successful. It's a, a tense minute or two as Laris manipulates the console. You can see the tension in her shoulders as she's working. But after those couple of minutes, you hear the sound of electricity draining from the system. All right. All right. Castian's going to carefully bring her back, set her down, and then he's going to quickly tap his foot against the floor plating. And you don't feel any of the electricity. However, I would now like you to make me a vigilance check. Uh, three successes and one advantage. That does not, however, beat the triumph and two successes I've got over here. Castian, as you take that step forward, you don't feel electricity under the deck plating any longer. However, out of nowhere, you hear an ear-piercing screech as someone screams and leaps on your shoulders. You're a little disoriented for a moment as you feel someone's hands digging into your face, obviously going for your eyes and your ears, and you feel hot breath on your neck. Gastian is going to spin and try to slam him against the wall. Okay, go ahead. Three successes and a triumph. Oh, wow. So would you like to use that triumph to do a critical hit? Yes. Roll me D100 then, please. Uh, 87. Nice. So this guy is compromised and is going to have an additional difficulty die added for the rest of the encounter. Nice. Great. Uh, he takes six points of damage. Excellent. You stumble backwards and not only slam him into the wall, but it's actually the 
corner of the door. So he gets that that sharp metal corner driven into his his back and uh, most especially the back of his head. So while he's still on your shoulders, like literally he has his legs wrapped around your your waist and is leaning over your shoulders. He's still attached to you, but his hands release so he's no longer grasping at your face. Laris turns as she hears the screeching sound and uh, obviously sees you being attacked. But before she can run to help you, she is swarmed by – she's about to be swarmed by two other people. And you can now see that the two that are approaching Laris, they're coming out of what looks like some kind of storage closet on the bridge, you know, where they would keep emergency supplies. They had apparently hidden themselves in there. And it's two humans dressed in a uniform, but this isn't like the uniforms you saw of the crew on the rest of the ship. Those people were kind of the the hospitality workers. These are two crewmen of the bridge, and they are like so many of the other people that you have seen, completely disheveled. Their uniforms are ripped and smeared with blood. As they approach Laris, you see they are armed with pipes. But the two ends of the pipes uh, for both of them are completely jagged. They weren't cut from a wall. It looks like they were ripped. And they're also stained with blood. Laris luckily still has her blaster with her. And is going to take a shot. Laris gets off one shot and hits one of the approaching crew members for seven damage. <sighs> Okay, and now those crew members are going to attack, and obviously they are converging on Laris. Oh, and they are successful. They flank Laris. One of them is is holding one arm kind of limp where she shot him, but is still more than capable of wielding that pipe. Both of them lunge at Laris, holding out their pipes like spears, and stab Laris. <laughs> Back at the top of the round... Castian, the one that is attacking you, is going to go. And he is going to try to bite your neck. Uh, he has a disadvantage, and I have uh, one defense. Excellent. So he gets a failure and a threat. As he leans forward, you feel again that hot breath on your neck, but he overshoots. And actually ends up tumbling over your shoulder, falling prone on the ground in front of you. You see, once he is in front of you, that this man's uniform is obviously that of the captain of the ship. Even though, as with everyone else, it is covered in blood and gore. Castian's going to hold out a hand towards him, and he's going to use the force hurl, uh, hurling this man into one of the men wielding a pipe. With my three yellows, I was able to get two successes, one triumph, and two advantages. I'm using a light side point. Excellent. Were you attacking the one that Laris already injured? Yes. As he's approaching Laris, the captain is thrown with an invisible hand right into him. Uh, they both slamming into one of the consoles. Uh, it's sparking slightly. I don't know if that takes out the captain, but it definitely takes out this crew member at least. Yes, it takes out the crew member completely. The captain, however, you see him already kind of groggy and shaking his head, but he's pulling himself back up to his feet immediately. Next is Laris, who is going to shoot the remaining minion that still has the pipe half buried in her side. And she once again gets a success, wounding the crew member slightly. 
the minion is going to strike again. He pulls out the pipe, preparing to attack Laris again, but he pulled it out with too much force and stumbles backwards into one of those sparking consoles. And you see the pipe connect with the sparking console and you can see electricity shooting through it. But it doesn't affect the crew member. And back at the top of the round, the captain who has stumbled to his feet, he's shaken off the effects of being slammed into that console and lets out a ferocious, inhuman growl as he sprints across the bridge, aiming to tackle you again. And I am going to use a destiny point to upgrade his attack. Having that extra difficulty die is screwing this guy over. He completely charges past you running back into the supply closet. No, he's not. Castian's going to turn and he's going to hurl the captain once more into that last remaining crew member that's still up. All right. Okay, let's see if I can generate another force point. Oh, okay. Another light side point. I got one more. I flip one of those. Destiny points and I take more strain. They haven't touched you and yet. <laughs> uh, two successes, three advantages. Yes, you are able to pick up the captain once again and hurl him into the crew member. This is going to take out the crew member again, so how do you do it? I slam the captain right into him. The crew member falls against the console. There's more sparks, and then they both fall to the ground. Great. The captain is getting to his feet once more, and so Laris is going to turn her attention to him. She got two successes this time. Good job, Laris. And that runs through the captain's strain because Laris was using the stun setting on her weapon again. And we're now finally delivering some wounds to the captain. But he's still up? Yes, he is. And not only is he still up, but he had three failures, but an advantage on his last roll. He was going to grab something from the closet, but instead you threw him into a crew member with an electrified pole. So now the captain is going to be wielding this electrified weapon, and he is going to swing it at Laris, who is closer to him now. And finally, he gets a success. So he takes the pole, and he's not using it as a spear. He's using it as a bludgeon. But you can still see the electricity arcing along the outside of this metal pipe. It is not insulated in any way. He's not wearing gloves, but the electricity is not bothering him as he just pulls it back and slams it against Laris's head, where she has all of her electronics. And you see Laris's eyes fly open wide as her system is just flooded with electricity. You see the blue electricity arcing not just along the pipe, but now along the electronics encircling her head. Castian, what do you do? Castian's going to use the maneuver to pull out his blaster and take aim and fire. Three successes, a triumph, and three threats. It's a tricky shot because of how Laris is positioned near the captain, but... You're able to do it. You get a, a clean shot at the captain, and he flies back into that console one more time and falls down still. However, once that electrified pipe is no longer in contact with Laris, she slumps to the ground as well, passed out. Castine immediately runs to Laris and makes sure that she's okay. Laris, wake up. Wake up. You're with me. Come on, Laris. Her eyes open for a moment, but they're unfocused, and she drifts back up. 
damn it, damn it, damn it. Castian stands up and turns towards the downed captain and his crew members. Uh, he's immediately walking towards the man, kicking the rod out of his hands in case he's still gripping it. And then Castian pauses, kneels down, and then pries the man's hand open, the one that was holding the, mm-hmm. the rod. He's seeing if the guy has any burns on him or, or anything like that. Give me a medicine check. Average difficulty. One success, one threat. When you pry open his palm, you see black scorch marks where the pipe came in direct contact with his hand. But you can also see that his palm is heavily calloused, which is interesting because you wouldn't think the captain of a starship like this would be the sort of person doing the kind of manual labor that would build up calluses like that. I'm looking to see if there's any like first aid kits nearby to see maybe they have like some back to patches or anything like that for Laris. Yes, the supply closet does have an emergency first aid kit. It was knocked open. So you have to kind of look on the ground where all sorts of supplies have been scattered, but you do find two back to patches. Yeah, I'm going to apply them to Laris and try to find a seat that I can rest her in. And then Castian is going to move over to a terminal that's not sparking and hopefully functional and try to get information up. Actually, before he does that, he's going to the captain and he's seeing the captain has a bracelet. You look at the captain's wrist where you've seen other crew members have bracelets and he does not have a bracelet. Instead, you can see that there is a small scar on his wrist, implying that his security access is implanted. Well, don't move, Cassian says. He takes out a vibro knife and he's going to try to remove that implant. And I don't want to roll for this. So can I just pay you a destiny point? Yes, you can. I'm just going to pay a destiny point so Castine doesn't end up accidentally slitting this guy's wrist. It's just done nice and clean and easy enough. This is not the first time Castine has removed an implant. Right. Pulls it out and he puts it into any container that he can find, a small little plastic container that he has on his belt. Yes. There you go. And he puts the remaining back to patch on the guy's wrist to make sure it closes up nicely. He's not a monster. Then Castine's looking for a terminal that's working. Every terminal has been pulled apart. In some fashion or other. Some of them have had their power completely cut, while others, the damage is more superficial. You find a terminal that has had the cover pulled off, nothing is labeled. Power still runs to it, everything else is completely functional, but nothing is labeled. Castian uh, is going to try to use that just using by intuition alone. He's trying to access some of the logs to see an idea of like what's going on, honestly. He just wants to know what the hell is happening or even just a timetable. Sure. Give me computers. This is going to be hard. Wow. Surprising. One success, but three threats. Okay. You're able to access what remains of the captain's logs. It looks like somebody has been going through the ship's computer and deleting files at random, including, you can tell, not just logs of the captain and various crew members. It's also subroutines that the ship needs in order to run. It's like somebody went into the command code and just started deleting lines at random. So this computer is in pieces, if not physically, then in terms of data. But you're able to isolate what remains of the captain's logs. You go back about a week, and the logs are extremely routine. The captain relays their speed, their course, 
mentions if there were any discipline problems either among the crew or among the passengers. Because while minor social infractions are dealt with by the crew of the cruise, if someone is caught doing something truly criminal, then it is upgraded to the captain's attention. But it seems like everybody on this cruise was fairly well behaved. A couple cases of drunken disorderly that was brought to the captain's attention, that sort of thing. Five days ago, that begins to change. You pull up the captain's log from five days ago. The video portion of his log has been erased, but the audio is still mostly there. It's a little staticky and garbled at times, but you can get the gist of it. As he says, I don't know what Shirin was thinking. We were on course. Everything was operating within normal parameters. And then he stormed onto the bridge. It wasn't even his shift. He went to the nav console and he input a hyperspace jump. He didn't even calculate it, just spun up the hyperdrive and we were gone. We were damn lucky we didn't end up in the middle of a star. And before we could restrain him, he got into the navigation console, erased our records. I don't know where we are. And that's the end of that log. Cassian's going to go forward to see if he could find out any information on, like, what went on wrong then, then. So they were lost. So someone sent them in a random jump and then destroyed their records. That doesn't explain what the hell's going on. <laughs> like, what went wrong from there? The next few logs have been completely deleted. There's still space in the system for where they should be, but they've been lost. Maybe if you had enough time or Laris, you could recover them, but you're unable to. You pick it up three days ago, and this time there is video. As you pull up the, the captain's log, you see that he is there on the bridge. He's alone, and he just looks haggard. His eyes are sunken. His cheeks are sunken in, as this is a man who is rather obviously unwell. This... <laughs> this has been a, a trip to remember. This is the most excitement that we've seen on a ship of the line in decades. I haven't seen excitement like this since the Clone Wars. <laughs> it's, it's what a time to be alive. One of the, the few that's still alive. <laughs> and he just cackles for a couple of minutes. You can actually hear him beginning to lose his voice, his voice growing hoarse as he just laughs for so long and so hard. <laughs> it has been a pleasure interacting with the crew and with the passengers. Of course, now we've had to lock ourselves in on the bridge can't allow anyone else on board. I wonder what would happen if I just started opening the airlocks. I think I'll experiment with the escape pods first. <laughs> and the log cuts off. Cassian just sits there for a minute or two before looking back towards where he left the captain. And he just pulls out his blaster pistol, walks up to him and fires a couple more stun bolts into him and his crew. <laughs> before letting out a shaken breath. And then he looks around and mumbles, 
Castian, you're not an idiot. Think this through. What could have called these people to go mad? I've heard of space madness, but someone doesn't do a hyperdrive jump without calculations unless they were crazy, so perhaps that was the start of it. Some pathogen, some sickness, some chemical. Uh, he activates his communicator. Bone. Bone, I need you to look in our records for any mention of a disease or a chemical that can cause insanity. Uh, it, something that can easily spread through a structure and affect everyone. Uh, most likely airborne, maybe waterborne. Incubation time is probably one day, two days. I, I don't know. I, I lost most of the records, but it could drive a sane man to insanity within that time. And, and Castian looks back towards the captain who is slumped down. Also... Maybe helps with the resistance to electricity, uh, adds callus to the skin. Get Skidder to help you. I'm going to bring back Laris as quickly as I can, but it might not be easy. Make sure the door is locked. Do not let anyone else enter the ship. Contact me if anybody tries to enter the ship. Castian pockets his comm unit and then moves towards the downed crewman and captain and he shoves them back into that storage locker, mm -hmm. and then he is tying that thing with wires to keep it closed. You said there was multiple lockers, so Castian is emptying them and putting them, if he can, into separate lockers, because he doesn't think that they do well together. He's seen rabid animals before. Sure. Castian's moving over to Laris, making sure she's still breathing and is okay. Yes, she actually, her eyelids flutter open a little bit. Sir... Ah, yeah, there you are. There you are. Can you stand? Yes. Do you know the extent of the damage to your head? To your implants? Calculating. Cognitive speed reduced by 7.2%. Well, that makes you still twice as smart as me. Motor functions slowed by 15%. All right. Balance also affected. Okay, you're not doing so well. So, Laris, listen. We're going to try to get you to the ship. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Before we go, is there any way you could tie the systems here and try to link them to the systems in our vessel? She stares at you for a moment, her gaze kind of vacant, before her eyes focus again. Perhaps damage is extensive. Okay, so what do I need to do? We would need an operating central command console. Okay, this one over here, they stripped it of all the labels, but it seems to be working. He moves over to the console that he found. Mm -hmm. I will commence patching it together. How long will that take you? Unknown. Okay, Laris, you have one hour. What I'm going to do is this. I need you to stay in this room. You are going to do this job so we can patch this into the controls of the Howling Gundark. Maybe we can find a way to send this back into normal space where somebody can pick these people up and help them. But we have a job to do. I'm going down to the cargo hole to find that mirror. I am going to leave you here behind a locked door. No one will be able to enter this, okay? And you'll be fine. If there's any trouble... I need you to send me a message, and I'll be back here as soon as I can. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Are you going to be okay, or do you need me to wait here? No, sir. I can function on my own. Do not open the storage lockers. Everything that was inside them that's of importance has been placed outside of them. The things that have been placed inside of them are not important. Also insane. Understood. 
He frowns and then checks her uh, back to bandage one more time. You're going to be fine. It's just a little shock to the system, okay? I will find the mirror. We will help these people if we can. And we will get the hell off this place. We need this money. Affirmative. Good luck. Do not open that door unless it's me. And Castian stands up. And he's moving out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot Star Wars Force and Destiny. Please follow Solo Shot Podcast and Fandible on Twitter, and please share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your Podchaser of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to make a donation to help keep our equipment up and running. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.